Isn't that just a great commercial? <laughs> Not that I agree with it, you know, about, you know, kicking the kids back to school. Maybe it's because we were blessed with just one child and we didn't have that. Let's kick her out the door. But So don't analyze this thing completely. Just have fun with it. And it, what it does, though, it reminds us that we're in a season of change. You know, uh, schools, some started last week, some are starting tomorrow, some are starting next week, and even here at Mountain Park, our student union kicks back into full steam this coming uh, a week from today. It's not that they've taken a break off somewhere, they've been on mission trips, they were at camps, you know, things happen on Wednesday nights, but next week, beginning again at 9.15 and 10.45, some exciting things are happening in our gym. So if you're a student, you want to get there, and if you if your kid's playing hooky today, you want, maybe you want to kick them or not kick them, then you'll get the social services, but drag them along <laughs> gently to, uh, to be a part of that. Uh, and then also, for some, for some students, they're going back to college. And for other students, they're starting college. And that's where we're at. My wonderful daughter is, is uh, what do I have here now? It went down by an hour. She's 16 days uh, eight hours, no, she's now 16 days, seven hours, and 13 minutes before she packs up and heads off to Arizona State uh, University. And even though I've been a residence hall director of 600 kids, and I have seen U-Hauls pull in for parents to unload stuff into a 12 by 12 room, <laughs> I have already told her, you don't need to take all of your clothes. You're only 45 minutes from home. You'll be here every weekend probably. But anyway, uh, uh, it's a season of change. And even for those folks who are retired here among us at Mountain Park, uh, tonight the calendar changes from July to August. And so tomorrow becomes just another hot August night. <laughs> now, isn't there some legend singer that made a song with that title on an album? Oh, way to go, Zach! Here's a smarty for you. See, I just can't throw things in here. One year I about poke somebody's eye out. So, uh, But anyway, yes, uh, a hot August night starts here in Arizona uh, tomorrow. Check your Facebook, folks, if you're not a part of our Facebook for Mountain Park. I did get on Neil Diamond's fan, fan book page and invited him to come and sing here. He probably hit delete or his... Somebody who monitors that page probably did. Uh, but you never know, so uh, keep in touch with us electronically, and you'll be the first to know if, if good old Neil is going to come and, and bless us. Uh, that'll be a fat chance. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's also the season when those people, both men and women who enjoy cooking outdoors, mysteriously and uh, mystically evolve into uh, the, the outdoor chef that protects the grill and, and makes things that we've never seen or heard of and just does wonderful things on the grill. Well, what's up on the grill is, is, is our theme for the past few weeks. Some of you are wondering, yeah, what's up with that? Well, what's up with the grill is that we've had the opportunity for four weeks now to hear from some staff to hear from a guest speaker on what God has been doing in their heart, what God has been teaching them. And translated to Mountain Park language, that really means what's on the grill. And so today I have the opportunity 
And I have the privilege of uh, sharing what's on the grill when it comes to Wednesday Night Life. And if you look in your program, you're going to see in the, on the back flap there, on the inside of it, a list. I, you know, I haven't counted them lately. It changes by the day. Uh, but there is a whole list of workshops and seminars and classes and D groups that are meeting on Wednesday night. And uh, rather than just read you all those things, which I am not going to do, I am not even going to highlight all of them, but they are some, some wonderful opportunities for us. Uh, I'm going to invite some people up to share. But as we think about what's on the grill, uh, we're going to be looking into the, the book of Proverbs. I'll use that as our, our little recipe book, so to speak. And before we dive into that Old Testament book, let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place and in this moment and in this time. Thank you for the break in routines and the opportunity to hear what you've been doing in the lives of several of your children here at Mountain Park. And I pray that the words of everyone sharing today will be acceptable in your sight because you are our strength, you are our redeemer, and you are our hope. And all God's people said, amen. Well, the book of Proverbs is in about the middle of the Old Testament, and it is one of the what's called the wisdom books. It is a very, very practical book, and it provides a couple uh, points of interest for us. It emphasizes a couple different areas of life. One of those is it talks about our speech, about our actions, about our motives, and it really centers in on probably the characteristic of integrity. And the other emphasis for the book is talks about relationships, about people, about marriages, about parenting, about employees and employer relationships. So it is a very practical book. And while we know that, you know, uh, gathering knowledge uh, happens, and there's a, very many smart people and a lot smarter than me, wisdom is seeing people and events from God's perspective. Wisdom is seeing people and events from God's perspective. And, and that's what Proverbs tells us. That's what Prover Proverbs encourages us to do, is to put ourselves in a place where we can gain some wisdom, where we can gain some perspective. Often I have people uh, talk to me and they say, do you know, I know I should be reading the Bible. I know it's a part of our sanawats, you know, connecting with God, but I just don't know what to do. Uh, I don't know where to start. Well, Billy Graham has addressed this issue years ago, and he said, start with Proverbs because there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And so each day of the, of the month, read a chapter. So if you happen to sleep in or you forget and all of a sudden it's August 6th, well, just pick up Proverbs and Proverbs 6. So it's pretty easy. Uh, uh, if you skip, go away for the weekend, then pick it up on Proverbs 9. But Billy Graham uh, also offered this. He says, you know, in addition to that, Take some of the Psalms, not all of them because there's 150 of them. Uh, take five a day. So five a day times 30 gives you 150. And so if you 
read through the, the Psalms in a month and Proverbs and just repeated that, you would have a very steady diet and really start to be in the habit of reading God's Word, and then it would become even easier for you once you get into that routine. So, so I think as you, at times, trust me, I've been there, you open it up and you read through some stuff, you go, what does this have to do with me? Uh, what, you fall asleep, you're thinking this doesn't make any difference, and you sort of flip through the pages. Start with Proverbs, start with the Psalms, and that will really help you to connect with, with God. In the Psalms, again, it, it talks about wisdom. It talks about listening. That's the theme in it. We read in the very first chapter, we read these in Proverbs, these words. It's for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. In chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And then in the fourth chapter of, of Proverbs, you read, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget my words or do not turn away from them. And I don't care if you're in business, you're running a huge company, you're a mom or dad, somewhere in between, you're single, you're a student. It's pretty obvious that you know, we can learn from other people. And it's a whole lot better to learn from other people's mistakes than necessarily have to make those mistakes yourselves. We need to be intentional about, about seeking wisdom, and it just doesn't happen naturally at times. We wish it did, but it just doesn't. And that could be for a number of reasons. You know, uh, Maybe you're just too busy to slow down to listen. Maybe you have the I-know-it-all complex. Don't, don't nudge anybody there. Uh, and you really think you know it all, and you just don't want to hear it. You don't want to even have a, a slight inclination that there's another perspective to this situation. Maybe you don't have the time. Maybe you don't want to spend the money because at times it will take money to gain some wisdom. There's a lot of reasons for it, and I don't know what yours may be, but I do know and have experienced it myself that it's easier said than done. I have to be intentional with it. About a year ago, uh, Susan Loken, you've heard Alan mention her. She's, a, she's the, the runner that has qualified for the uh, 20, uh, 2012 Olympic marathon trials. She is an incredible runner, and so she gathers a bunch of people every year uh, through chances for children and trains us. Alan and I were happy to be a part of that last year. Marsh started, but he quit. Uh, you know those singers. No, just show you. Uh, he's not here, so I can say that. Uh, uh, but we did run on the side. But anyway, uh, Susan, who in her qualifying run, ran it uh, the 26 miles, the, the 26 mile was 5 minutes and 15 seconds. So I would consider her a person of wisdom. She knows what she's doing. And so Alan, let me just show you a picture here, uh, just to prove that, yes, he ran it, and, and that's our, our fearless leader. Uh, but even though he's a great hockey player, uh, 
he did incredible in his first half marathon. I mean, he just uh, blew, blew the doors off. I was surprised for a 39-year-old. No, he did a great job. Uh, and then me, even though this is my third time running it, I was just happy to finish the thing. And, uh, yeah, what is it with runners and, you know, doing all this kind of stuff? But we finished it. But an amazing thing happened to me a month uh, before the race is that my left knee did something weird. I have no idea what it did, but it got to the point where I could no longer, after 40 minutes, I couldn't run on it. I'd have to walk. And, and you know, I know what it's, it's like to, uh, you're tired, so are you stopping because you're tired? You know, a little bit more training needed there, Juno. You know? Or am I stopping because there's an injury? And there was definitely an injury. I could not run on it. So I hobbled through the race and haven't ran uh, since January. So last week I thought, oh, i got to start training again. My knee's doing okay. Let's see, I think I'm all right. So I went out last Sunday morning and ran. Saw Susan Loken uh, out in the uh, lobby. I said, Susan, I'm running again. She goes, what about the knee? I said, I haven't done anything with it. So she sent me a very uh, direct, I mean, very uh, uh, coaching letter, email the next day and says, do not run. Go to a doctor. Figure out what the problem is and just deal with it. Make me that promise. And so I did. Went to the, uh, had x-rays done. I have an appointment next week. And hopefully the next, uh, I think it's January 15th or so, I'll be running again. Maybe, I'm not even going to try to pass Alan. I'm beyond that in my age uh, to have that kind of a challenge. But hopefully I'll be running again. But, you know, I was just fooling myself. I'm thinking, oh, maybe it was just a little this or a little that. I have no idea on even what the knee, I just found out there's no knee cap. I don't think it's a cap. It's just all these things go together. But anyway, I have no idea about any of this stuff. I was fooling myself. I needed the help of somebody else. I needed the help of Sandy to give me a little boost to say, what are you doing? And then I needed the help of the professionals to look it over and, and give me some insight. But I just know that it's, uh, it's easier said than done. And yet Proverbs and God calls us to seek wisdom. God will, will as you open up the word and as you, become, as you connect with God on a, on a regular basis, there is no doubt God will provide you some wisdom. You know, uh, again, you're not gonna hear, the lights aren't going to go do-do-do-do. You know, you're not going to hear this strange voice, I don't think. There's medication for that. But if you hear a strange voice, uh, I don't think you will. I've never have. But God clearly communicates through his word. It's the, it's the living word of God. It isn't an old book that you just get as a wedding present. But God also communicates through, through other people, through friends, through teachers, through colleagues, through people you're in a D group with. We just need to put ourselves in the right place to listen. Well, today I have several people who I've asked to, uh, to come up and share. They've been in the right place at the right time. They've slowed down enough to listen, to heed some advice, and, uh, and, and God's been able to, to change and transform their life. So we're going to have five different chefs come up today and tell us what's on the grill for them, what's on, the, uh, what's on their heart. And most of these, not most, all of these stories are going to relate to Wednesday Night Life. 
and how God has used those workshops and those seminars to, to touch people's life. And Mike is going to come up. Mike has been a part of our Financial Peace University. And Mike, what's on the grill? Thank you, Juno. Well, let me apologize for any excessive glare that you may be experiencing right now. Um, often when I speak in front of people, I, it's okay to put on sunglasses, and it's, it's okay, I won't feel bad. So by show of hands, how many people would love to experience financial peace? And for those of you that didn't put your hands up, you're kidding yourselves probably, but... Well, I will tell you, when I first heard of Dave Ramsey, I was very intrigued, a godly man who's teaching some disciplines for financial peace, and was even more excited when I saw that Juno and the leadership team here had decided to include this program in Wednesday Night Life. Uh, we immediately signed up, and I will tell you selfishly, a Christian man who has disciplines and has really done the research necessary to teach these disciplines, I mean, this is a world-renowned individual who has taught millions and millions of people some of the basic blocking and tackling techniques of getting financial peace. We immediately signed up. So I was so pleased to see uh, the offering be there. Selfishly, because I am in the insurance and financial uh, services business, I had thought that I probably would know most of what was going to be taught. So now that my wife's not here this service, I can tell you that I really was signing up for her and my 18-year-old son, who was about to go off to college. And I thought, well, this would be great, because I do have a little bit of a problem with control issues. So I do all the financial stuff at home. And it was great for her and my son, Jacob, to experience some uh, techniques on financial discipline. It was absolutely wonderful to see Jake and my wife. We do not have credit card issues, thank God. But for those that do, you, you get very heavy dose of the credit card game, paying off debt, getting a secure uh, a savings account, something that they call a, uh, a safety fund. You learn a lot of the acronyms and the terms involved with investments and insurance products. Um, this is a program that is for everyone. We had very successful individuals who are running companies who have a lot of income but still were able to learn all kinds of techniques with regard to how to make their financial peace scheme better. There's a saying that Dave Ramsey has that says, live like no other so you can live like no other. Well, I can tell you personally, for us, it was absolutely a life-changing event for us. And I will tell you, we had never sat down and even done a budget. My wife and I married 20 years. When we did that, it was just, first of all, it was a little confrontational. But we got through that part, but we had uncovered some things that we were doing that were not being good disciples of our money in the Lord's eyes. And so we personally, in our first budget, looked through some different things. We cut $800 out of our monthly expense immediately just by looking at it and following some of these principles. I highly encourage everyone, single, married, um, young teenage kid, whatever it may be that your current situation is, this is a class for everybody. And I highly recommend that you get involved. For us, it was the most meaningful thing that we've done. And it's a 13-week course. An individual, a good friend of mine, and a great leader of the church here named Eric Kelly will facilitate this class. Eric and I will be out at the table to sign up afterward. 
again, thank you for the opportunity to expose you to this program because it is a worthwhile experience. I highly recommend it to you, okay? Thanks, Juno. Thanks, I think we ran about 80 people through it last year, and boy, they, the people that signed up after the, the first celebration service pretty came, if not close to 80, uh, right up there. So it is, again, life-changing. My daughter went through it with me as well, and just the conversations it brings up. Daddy, am I going to be broke after college? You know, uh, well, let's talk. So it was just wonderful. Uh, hey, another key workshop that helps individuals pick up the pieces from a broken marriage is called Divorce Care. And a participant shares this. My journey with Divorce Care began in the Surviving the Holidays workshop that happened in November. Prior to Divorce Care, I was depressed and feeling lost. Divorce Care brought me hope and clarity of the many issues that I was going through. With the help of our excellent facilitators, I was able to to learn more and understand uh, the issues that were surrounding divorce. Prior to divorce care, life felt like a black cloud, and now life is a rainbow. I feel educated on the effects of divorce and have done considerable healing. I have also made some incredible friendships. I grew in several areas, the first being psychologically, I learned about emotions and how important it is to stay in control. Emotionally, I realized I wasn't going crazy and that the variety of emotions that I am going through is all normal and a part of the healing process. And spiritually, I grew to better understand how God loves me. His love will see me through the pain, and even though I am divorced, God still loves me. I now have a better outlook on my future. I am striving to be a single-parent family in control. I have hopes and dreams that I did not have before divorce care. I think about how great life is going to be and how much I have to look forward to. I was able to realize that God was bringing healing to my life when I started to enjoy life again. And that was from a, a 36-year-old woman who had been married for 11 years uh, before her, her marriage dissolved. And again, we're not, we know that, that God wants relationships to be reconciled. He wants them to be healed. But life happens. And unfortunately, at times, when divorce is, is, is a part of your journey, uh, we are trying to help step into that with you so you can recover from that, heal from that, and move forward. And this year, I am thrilled that we are able to offer divorce care for children. Margo is helping to, to team that up, and that's going to run on the, the same, obviously, a Wednesday night. Uh, if a parent's in divorce care, the kids can be in divorce care uh, for children. And again, we're just trying to help bring families back together to make them whole and to remind them that they have value in God's eyes and our eyes. Uh, Jim Cooper is one of the, the two guys that's helping to run point on our men's ministry, uh, and he's also... Uh, one of the guys that's running, helping run Point as a volunteer with our Hope Ministries. Come on up, Jim. Hope has been around Mountain Park for years, and Jim is going to uh, share with us what's cooking. We good? Morning. Uh, my name is Jim, 
and I wanted to thank you for this opportunity to speak this morning about Hope Group. When Juno asked me to share some thoughts, I had to reflect back what an amazing year and a half it's been since coming to Mountain Park. I came from a background of some 20 years in the military and started my career as an infantry officer in the U.S. Army Rangers. The camaraderie and community with men was something I'd never experienced anywhere else. We trained hard together, we fought hard in combat together, and we played hard together. Uh, but what was missing out of all that was a connection with our spouses, our families, and certainly God. My wife would ask, like a lot of other wives, how could you leave for a six or eight week mission, come back to the States, and want to go to the officers club and hang out with your team? And as I left active duty and started up a career in the corporate world and built a successful business, I carried on that same tradition on an almost a daily basis. As I later learned, I was dealing with a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder issues and dragging around like baggage. My behavior became more and more self-destructive to the point that I had lost my marriage and completely isolated myself from everything and everyone that mattered to me. After being apart for some six years, I did receive some help from my PTSD, and I am happy to report that I got a second chance to remarry my wife and get my family back together. But, but I still did not have a spiritual faith to anchor my recovery. Now fast forward to Christmas 2009, and at the urging of my wife, I came to the Christmas service here at Mountain Park. I don't remember much of the service, but I do remember the whole shebang infomercial. I don't know if you guys remember that little movie. I thought it was quite epic, and I uh, would not have been surprised if Charlton Heston hadn't walked out on stage that night. I didn't know at that time, though, that several weeks later, I would make another poor decision and find myself incarcerated on a DOI charge, and, at the, at the, and my world would come crashing down. I was on the edge of losing my business and my freedom, not to mention that I was an embarrassment to my family, my friends, and my colleagues. And with nowhere else to go, I found myself sitting here in this room that first week in January, listening to Alan tell this 2,000-year-old story and I was amazed at how applicable it was to my life. It was also on that first Sunday that I read about the HOPE group. HOPE stands for helping overcome painful events, and I was certainly having one. And I found myself sitting in that group meeting that first Tuesday night. There I met other struggling men with life issues as alcohol, drug abuse, marital issues, problem with their children, etc. And they put their arms around me and gave me the strength and courage to know that God is with you and everything's going to be all right. Now, HOPE is not a 12-step AA group. HOPE is not a 12-step uh, drug addiction group or a bad marriage group. But what HOPE is, HOPE is a life recovery group. And it uses a 12-step spiritual guide to help men build a relationship with God. It is also a place for men to be in community with other men and to not stay in isolation and continue to lay, uh, live in a state of brokenness. We follow three basic step principles in that group. Step one is I can't. When you realize that your life is such that you cannot live the way you're living anymore and you need and want to make a change. Step two, God can. We believe God is our higher power and God can help us in our recovery. And step three, help me, Lord. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you turn your life over to God. There's a saying we use in hope. My brilliant thinking got me into this group. So maybe God has a much better plan than I do. And I'm here to tell you today that it has worked in my life. My marriage is stronger than ever because of my new faith in Jesus. And because of the men in hope, 
God uses each of them every day to cover my blind side. I'm not where I need to be yet in life, but I'm definitely not where I was at. Well, I don't know all of your stories, I'm confident that there are a few men out there that could benefit from our group. So I invite you to stop by one night and see if joining our band of brothers might make a difference in your life. God bless you all and thank you. And again, just a reminder, he's also heading up our men's ministry. They also have a group that's now meeting on Wednesdays in addition to Hope. So uh, if that's of interest, you, know, you can check out that on your program and, and drop it off in the lobby as you leave today. Mark Farley is an incredible volunteer here for us. In fact, everybody here has been, they're all volunteers. Everything you see on Wednesday night is because people have stepped into their passion, stepped into their gifts, and have decided to be a blessing to the church. And so without that, you can go Wednesday night to the theater that would happen. There would be nothing here. So I am thrilled at the people that God is raising up from, from among us to help each of us take that next step. But Mark is helping us with our support and care ministries. Uh, there you are, Mark. Come on up here. And uh, he oversees many of these ministries, but he's going to share a couple stories from Grief Share. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Um, Grief Share is one of the groups you'll see out there in the, in the lobby. And Perhaps you may not be personally experiencing the loss of a loved one, but you may know somebody, friend, family, or relative, or other that may be going through this personal crisis, and this is a great group that can kind of help get through the rough times. I want to share a couple of stories from some of our members, and uh, you might recognize some names. This is from our friend Judy. I moved to Phoenix a few months after my husband died in late 2008. It seemed a good idea to live near my son and his family, but... Here I was in a new place, from the green trees and snow-capped mountains of Washington to the dry and barren hillsides of Arizona, and I felt totally out of place. My family has attended Mountain Park for many years, and I started going with them. They also suggested grief share. The leader contacted me, and I contacted her back immediately. I found a new friend, and we have been friends to this day. I have several friends now that I've made through grief share. We have all gone through similar experiences. The meetings are a time to bond with others. During my first 13-week session, I accepted Christ into my life. Grief share has been a very, had a very meaningful impact on my life. This next one is a, a letter about a family that uh, you might recognize their names. On February 11, 2010, my world was turned upside down when Melissa Donati, a beloved spouse, proud mother of three, loving daughter, adored sister, cherished friend, and fellow mountain parker, suddenly and unexpectedly passed away at age 29. She was my big sister, whom I looked up to my whole life. She was one of my best friends, my faith was shaken. Initially, my family attended a grief share group offered by a local nonprofit organization, only to find that it wasn't faith-based. At this group, we were encouraged to share our thoughts and feelings, but to leave our faith out of it. Because of this, I found myself holding back and left the group more upset than I had arrived at as a Christian. I was upset with God, but I knew that he played a vital role in this journey. Around the same time, Pastor Juno reached out to me and let me know about Grief Share, a 13-week faith-based program offered at Mountain Park for those who have lost a loved one. I talked my younger sister, Melanie, who wasn't a Mountain Parker at the time, into attending with me. We were welcomed by friendly, caring Christians who have walked alongside us through this most difficult experience. Grief Share has helped us lean on each other and, most importantly, our faith. 
to navigate this journey and painful milestones along the way, such as birthdays, holidays, school performances, and family gatherings. After completing the program twice, Melanie, who has since become a Mountain Park regular, and I were asked to facilitate the group. Initially, we declined as we weren't sure we were qualified to lead. However, after the opportunity presented itself a second time, we both felt led to accept. We know that we wouldn't have been able to get through this without grief share and now want to return the favor in honor of our sister. On August 17, the next cycle of grief share will begin as part of Wednesday Night Live. If you've experienced a loss, whether recent or years ago, I hope you'll consider joining us in receiving this blessing and encouragement that is grief share. If not, I simply ask that you keep our group in your prayers. Thank you. This is from Michelle. Thanks, you know. Uh, Doug and Lori Davis, why don't you come up? They've been around here for a while, and they are loyal and faithful D-group leaders, and they're going to share with us some of their wisdom. Ooh, wisdom. <clears throat> um, so we, we, uh, we've attended Mountain Park now for probably 17 years or so. Uh, we started, our daughter was about a year old, you know, so we were busy parents, and uh, a few years later we had our son, you know, busier parents. Um, and, and so we, we continued to come to church during that time, you know, love the church, just, you know, love the experience of being part of the church, but we always felt like something was a little bit missing. We, we felt at times what I would kind of describe as being spectators, right? We, we'd come, we'd enjoy the services, but, but we didn't really feel like we were as connected as we should be. And, uh, you know, we have a number of friends that were coming at the time. Uh, we were talking to them about that kind of the same experience, you know, that, that desire to be more connected, to be more of the fabric of the church. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine actually one morning just before church started, and we were kind of talking about, you know, maybe we should try to join a small group. Maybe that would help, you know, get us kind of connected. And I even jokingly said, well, you know, maybe, maybe we'll just start our own because we don't know any of the groups. We don't know how to get connected. We'll just start our own. And then uh, in that very service, Somebody, you know, in a, in a role similar to Juno's, got up and, and was, they started talking about D groups and, and really encouraging and reaching out, you know, we, we want to start more groups. And it was one of those moments where, no, I didn't hear the voice, but as much as any time ever, I felt God kind of tapping me on the shoulder saying, okay, it's time to step up, right? And so we said, okay, we're going to start a group. And uh, we, we, we really didn't have what I think we'd consider the you know, greatest qualifications for doing so. And we said, you know, let's launch into it. We'll grab these friends of ours, we'll get something going, and we'll find our way kind of along that journey. And so I'll let Lori talk a little bit about what some of our experiences have been as leaders of a small group over the past few years. First, I'll say it wasn't a we thing. It was a, honey, guess what we're doing? So it just happened. It was a good thing because it got me out of my comfort zone, um, which this isn't my comfort zone either. So one thing leads to another. Be careful. <laughs> so um, I will say, though, that for us, um, over the years, as time goes on, we've had people come across our lives um, that are still in our group to this day, and we've had some that have left for numerous reasons, um, but not a one of those persons have we lost touch with. We still continue sometimes to go to coffee. Us girls are better than the guys, I'll say. But we do. We get together. They still mean the world to us. And it was 
really the most important thing just doing life together. We have had everything from pornography issues, we've had deaths, we've had suicides, we've had loss of businesses, we've had personal struggles, illnesses, you name it, we've been through it over the last 10, 11, 12 years that we've been in small group. But with all that being said, it is a blessing, it really is, to open up your house and your home and if that's, you know, the Lord gives so much to us, and if just opening my doors to let people come in is the smallest part I can do, I'm certainly not equipped to be a leader by any means. But just the gifts that you do know you have, like food, opening your home, like I said, then give it a try. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain, I promise. Thanks, Juno. Yeah, no doubt. It does not take a theologian, it does not take a counselor to be a D group leader. It just takes somebody with a willing heart and look, 12 years later, they're still together and they're still leading that group. So if you're interested at all, again, uh, why don't you stop off? There's a table out there and we, I would love to have a conversation with you to see how we can, can put that into, into play. But all these groups represented represented here, as well as those listed in your, in your program today, have one thing in common, that they are intentional ways that God uses others to give advice, to give counsel, and to provide support so that you can grow and take your next step in the game. They are really, they are really uh, opportunities uh, with, for community with a purpose. And it's obvious that gaining and learning wisdom will often and most likely happen when we are in relationship with others. Being in community isn't a sign of weakness. Joining up one of these groups isn't a sign that, oh, no, uh, I'm hitting rock bottom, uh, even though at times rock bottom is what motivates you to get into one of those groups. It's simply acknowledging that you need somebody on your team, somebody to watch out for you. No doubt... We need somebody to protect us and watch our blind side, and God can use us to protect other people and help them with their blind side. As we prepare for communion here, I think it is important to remember that in light of eternity, Jesus has our blind side covered. Nobody else can do that. Me, any pastors, no teachers, nobody can cover your blind side for eternity except Jesus. And so we celebrate that day. We remember the sacrifice he made as we uh, join together in communion. But we also celebrate the reality as a blessing that God has brought us together. Different, different avenues, different workshops, different D groups, but as a community that somehow we can cover your blind side and that when God leads you to the right spot, you can help cover somebody else's blind side. And this fall is a time for you to, to make that decision. What are you going to do? How can, how, how can you be a part of the team? And so you're going to come forward today. Uh, John and the team's going to play a song. We're going to worship together. And uh, I'm going to ask you just to hold the elements. Go back to your seats, hold the elements, and then I'll invite us uh, to share in them together. So, John, lead us, and let's join together to remember what Jesus has done for us all.